Hi, this is Jack's Corner. Why discuss issues on society and culture here in America? Welcome, welcome everyone to my corner. Thank you for coming back and tuning in. I'm here with the Duchess, Veronica. Hi, Veronica. Well, hello. It's so good to be back. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Sure. Um, You guys, it's been a rough week. We lost our cat, Zeus, and... uh, He's he's gonna be missed. We 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 rescued him. He was a stray. He came here. He showed up at home, and uh, we took him in, took him to the vet. We found out he was sick earlier on with liver failure, and we just took we care of him. We had him for a few years, so we were very blessed for that. Yeah. So he's gone now, and we're not sure if we're gonna get another cat. Right now, we're just kind of going with the flow, taking it one day at a time, missing him dearly. We had to bury him in the pet cemetery in our backyard. So yeah. we always have him with our other babies, and um, their memory lives on. Yes. Okay. So today, Veronica is going to share some of her sister me writings. Uh, she'll share some of that today with you right now. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, well, we're going to start. This is page 97, Sister Me. It's it's easy to break, to relinquish your own inner sense of unity with mankind. The experience of being reduced to a number entitled to no real respect from others, but that which you can earn by so many challenges among other prisoners like yourself. The new world in which you seek validation is bound to the prison population. Only in their eyes are you, if lucky, somebody. To the other world, the world of authority and free world citizens, you are nothing. Dead, but not dead. Feared and despised. Year upon year of losses. Year upon year of defeats and imprisonment. One begins seeing society at large as a cold, compassionless monster an unthinking, greed-driven beast that seeks to destroy all and any who stand in the way of its pleasure. Prison is society's garbage disposal. It crutches, crushes and mutilates what it processes. Only it processes living beings, not refuse. No wonder so many fail upon release. No wonder so many leave the walls and barbed wire bitter, broken and intent on revenge, a blind revenge, a misguided revenge. But man is only human after all. So much is the criminal like his free world brother that each sacrifices what he really wants to get, a useless and harmful revenge. If society comprised of people who can cheer on executions of murderers, why should a criminal processed in a hellish system not equally feel enraged and cheer himself on to the execution of others he perceives as murderers and torturers of himself. To break is an easy thing to do, especially for a woman. She is more inclined to give up and go back into drug addiction and submissive servitude of first the authority figures here and then later her men on the street. In this prison I've watched some of even the strongest break, informing on friends, reduced to serving the system they abhor? Why? 
Why do they lack the courage to have honor, to have the ethics to oppose betrayals? I don't know. I don't understand this weakness. I don't possess it. I'm human. And I am a humanist. I only see it happen about me. Such humanness, such failure. Don't mistake the motive of informing. It is this, a profit made by the sacrifice of trust. The betrayal of the confidence doesn't serve humanity or protect the innocent. No, rather it is simply the exposure of someone's weakness so as to put her further under the heel of the authorities. That's what buys the informant her special privileges. I purchased matches for my illegal cigarette smoking when I was in isolation. I bought them from number 78340, who then went to Punishment Unit Supervisor Wilson and told him I had matches. This went on and on. Various paraphernalia was periodically seized from my cell. Cigarettes, rolling papers for my cigarettes, tobacco and matches. Each time because 78340 had informed on me. She was the local rapist after all. She had raped me and initiated me into the prison. So her informing on me for extra privileges was no shock. For me, though, the few puffs of cigarettes or extra pair of pajamas temporarily keeping me warm was worth the extra punishment. I knew she would turn me in, but I was determined to survive as best as I could until the bulls arrived. One day Wilson pulled me into his office and told me I should get smart and be like the other prisoners. I should inform on her. Just admit that it was 78340 that I had bought the contraband from. He knew and I knew. She stole the merchandise from the supply room and sold it to others like me and then would turn them in for extra privilege. So why not snitch on the snitch? I had been in the hole two winters or so at that time, but I still couldn't play that game. Still can't, still won't. What for? To look each day into the faces of women already defeated, pained, heartbroken, and know I added to their misery? No, never. I'm not here to perform the dirty work of the state. I am not here to reduce myself to that. I lose my youth, my motherhood, my freedom, and career opportunities each day. This is part of my payment to society and to my victim. But to lose my morality and the courage to take responsibility for my own actions, that I will never lose. Snitching here is a way to purchase a deal with the cops by demanding that our society seems to disclaim the humanity of the criminal. We not only ostracize the offender, but we neatly cut their connection to us by classifying them as antisocial or sociopathic. We imply by our media coverage of them that they are in a subhuman category, and when they are prisoners, we treat them accordingly. We think of them as predators disguised as the humans they are not, not really, not truly human. After all, would we, the free world inhabitants, human and righteous, commit a crime? No. Well, yes, but our crime doesn't really count. Infidelity, a little tax evasion, not obeying speeding laws, you know, nothing big. So the criminal is different, we presume. A creature without conscience, 
so it's perfectly all right to let the system try to use them corruptly. How could a criminal mind be bothered by informing? Of course, it is unknown to us that having an unauthorized set of pajamas to try to keep warm is an offense, but the authorities must have a good reason to rule about it. Anyway, better not to inquire, just let them get on with it. It must be plenty tough having to deal with those terrible people. Criminals. They're different. Can't really be rehabilitated, so why waste money or sympathy trying? Help them? No way. They were bad. That's how they got there. So if it's tough on them, they asked for it. They started out from just where we did. Well, roughly. Sure, you say. I had a good family life, went to college, and my friends helped a little finding this job. But if they didn't have those breaks, well, what could be expected? Look at them and the suffering of their family, parents, children. So what about them? Who are they anyway? We don't have any of them in our neighborhood. Probably they're from some kind of bad stock. What we decent people need is protection, whatever it costs. So if the prison system leans on people to inform, that's their problem. What we demand is strict justice. Too many times I've heard this refrain while knowing the reality that refutes these ideas. When do we begin to dare to think? In prison, there really isn't a relaxed moment even for those who don't play the informing game. Arbitrariness spills over onto them as well. The only difference is that informants roll with the punches and roll and roll and roll until all trace of person seems to be worn off. Nothing left but an imitation standard issue, all purpose being. But humanity is real and individual. Humanity keeps trying to reassert itself that makes for stress anyway. Sometimes the prisoner manages to hide it all until she gets out into the free world. Then the stresses come out. And the quiet ones, the submissive ones, the people who have been taught by the system to be so low and passive, suddenly become active. And then they come back, return to prison. Stress wins again. All that informing, all that betrayal of others and self was for nothing. Some of the long-termers finally don't seek liberty at all anymore. Some never have really held themselves to the standard of thinking about what they do. Some always take the opinions and cues from others. Others keep their opinions to themselves and try to appear passive. That passive approach damages their self-esteem fatally. Claiming independence enough to be an authentic, self-respecting person is to claim the necessary authority over yourself so that you can be responsible for what you choose and what you do. No one can have a sense of responsibility if others make her decisions for her, whether that happens because they prevent her deciding or she avoids deciding. There's no way around it. If you want a responsible adult, you have to let that person be independent enough to make her own choices. In prison, a person who behaves in such an adult manner is suspect. Genuine concerns for security aside, control is the obsession of the administration, and independence of spirit frightens them, no matter how responsibly it is exercised.
once those administrators decide to move, it is dismally easy to bring down a prisoner. All that's required is to infract them for everything they do. In part, it's practically impossible to live in a prison without doing something infractable. So prisoners and guards work out a rough understanding of which acts will count as a cause for a write-up and which won't. Then, when it's deemed necessary to bring someone down, suddenly for that person the understanding is void. What's allowed for other prisoners is now not permissible for the one singled out. Then the infractions pile up. And when that's not enough, manufactured evidence can always be arranged under abuse of authority, producing witnesses, evidence, or whatever is necessary to develop seemingly plausible infractions. Then usually it's only a question of time until the prisoner breaks and joins the mass of adult infants in the system tries to make us into. I recall living in maximum security and there was a woman in front of me trying to get a drink of water and she had cerebral palsy and it was very difficult for her to move and for her to stand straight to drink out of the water faucet. We were under cameras and there were cops that watched every move she started to fall in front of me, but I caught her before she hit her head on the concrete floor. I helped her back up, helped her get the water, being yelled at by the police, telling me it's an infraction and I had no right, that it was illegal for me to help the woman. Nonetheless, I helped the woman back to her cell and was given a major infraction for touching another inmate, despite the fact that I saved her from a very serious head contusion. So it's only usually a question of time until the prisoner breaks and joins the mass of adult infants in the systems that the system tries to make us into. I never fit that bill. It's not just a matter of behavior as the pop psych types try to make it out to be. It's a matter of identity. Identity is finally that personal sense of being a unique person. In our culture, it is the only stable basis for self, a sense of self-respect. It may be cultural, political, or whatever, but for our kind of people, it says, I am. I am. That little idea which free world people take so much for granted is what is so often set in conflict in those who commit crimes. The free world idea is that a person who won't commit a crime is responsible and the one who will is irresponsible. What isn't understood is that irresponsibles, far from being authentically irresponsible, have a conflict of creating a self that must exist in permanent crises, economically, educationally, culturally, and socially. The self is cast in a hostile world where survival dictates the behavior and choice is apparently or really impossible. The prisoner is placed in a situation where any attempt to have a balanced identity, which goes that vital step beyond mere considerations of survival reactions, is viewed as too dangerous by society and the responsible administrators. Guaranteed, however, is that no matter how terrible the punishment, the prisoners will be out in society again, and then someone or something else will be pushing these people. 
That's why criminals repeat. Survival reactionism is the norm, not the choice. The conditioning in prison removes real choice. Survival. Prisons create crime, not by putting criminals together to learn new tricks from each other, but by reinforcing the survival reactionist mentality, which is really finally an acceptance of inferiority. It says, I am less than. There is no real opportunity for me but on the streets. I can never be anything but what I am now. I will never be considered equal. I need drugs to handle my inner turbulence. They make me feel less threatened, and then they're the only pleasure life ever could or will offer me. And that's the excerpt for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you. You're welcome. That's, you know, people in prison who steal from the prison and then make deals with other inmates just to turn them in. That's dirty. It is. It is very dirty. And when you see them um, prospering so much, um, getting away with the rapes and uh, strong arming and the beatings, it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Did that person ever ever get infractions that you know of that? Did anybody ever turn on that person, or did there anybody was ever woman, stop the raping? There was one woman that um, was a little, she was like 105 pounds, and she was a street prostitute, but she, she, she was damned if she was going to let Yvonne get away with it. So she and her mother filed Yvonne a suit. Yvonne is the rapist. Yes. She uh, filed a suit and won Good. against the rapist. That was wonderful. But um, the behavior of the rapist was really remarkable. She would... Um, the guards would be lining up at the door where you would get your meds so there would be two or three guards there with a nurse and Yvonne would give them um, she wouldn't wear underwear and she'd pull up her skirt and then she'd um, get on the floor and open up her legs exposing herself to the cops and wasn't infracted for that and when I would be um, buzzed out of my cell for whatever reason um, she would be banging at her door to make me look, and there she would be with her um, vagina exposed to me through yeah. the little window. It Exposing was unbelievable. herself to you. It was unbelievable. I mm. mean, I've never mm-hmm. seen mm-hmm. such horrible behavior. Do you know if she ever got out of prison? She got out, and she came back, and I really don't know. Um, I don't think she lived too long. Because That's not behavior normal behavior. Was, no, it's not. It's not. There were a few that were bad, but she was the worst. Wow, you really see it all in prison. Unfortunately, you do. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you for coming back and sharing more of Sister Me with us. We really enjoy hearing Sister Me stories, all your stories from prison. Horrifying, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's the truth. It's it's reality, and there's a lot of people that end up in trouble with the system, and hopefully, you know, people that do come on to our podcast and listen think twice about committing a crime because it's not worth it to lock yourself up with other human beings that have these severe behavior issues it's gotta it's gotta take a toll on you at some point yes you know and I think back um I had no idea of committing a crime it was never in my mind to and um I went to interview the serial killer Kenneth Bianchi 
and I was doing a lot of cocaine at the time and uh, excessive drinking. And he convinced me he was innocent. He actually said he was innocent and told me where to go and what to do. And when it came down to it, I just could not, I could not kill her. I could not. So I begged her forgiveness and um, thank God she wasn't hurt. But um, I did spend 23 years in prison for the crime. And, you know, I have no problem with that. Um, you know, you pay the price. It's a long time, though. It is. It's more than murder one. Yeah. But yeah, then, because like you said, there were people that had committed murder oh, that were leaving the prison After before seven you years, even left the years. prison. Absolutely. That's ridiculous. Well, I was a prison activist, and I chose to um, help the people that were handicapped in the mental... And that's probably why they firm. kept you incarcerated so long, because you were a prison activist. Oh, it was. You were going against the system, according yes. to them. Well, you were a threat to the orderly operations of the institution. So they... They said on all of my uh, prison files, they said I had more prison files on me than any woman in the history of the prison. And they showed me in the record room once, and there were boxes and boxes and boxes of um, things that, you know, they had reported that I had done, like helping people, you know, things that were illegal. I'm not allowed to help a woman with cerebral palsy that's falling. I'm not allowed to. That's just wrong because how do you rehabilitate prisoners? They're not trying. If you're not allowing not them trying. to... Be humane. I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's not meant um, to be humane, which is where we really need to change the system. We need to realize, first of all, that women are not men. We don't behave the same. That uh, people are redeemable. And I'm not saying everyone is because it's a personal choice. And there are some people that maybe um, something is wrong in the brain and they're dangerous, uh, like serial killers. As far as I'm concerned, uh, capital punishment is definitely what they should do. There's no reason to keep them alive, and um, they're a danger as long as they're living, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, that's just my firsthand experience, um, having met two in jails, and uh, they were nightmares. You know, they were nightmares of my life, and uh, I just want everyone to stay away from them, and uh, don't go to interview them, and just... Please, if you can get death penalties for these people, that's what needs to be done because uh, they really hurt. They really hurt families and communities. Right. Wow. And they're manipulative. And they will manipulate whoever comes in their path. And that's the scary thing, you know. You think that um, they're going to be okay, you know, when they admit to the crimes and, you know, now they just want to live. No, 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 no. I learned firsthand that they will lie, they will steal, cheat, you name it. They are very, very wicked, and I've never met one that I would ever want to see alive. I think that, like I say, I believe in capital punishment for serial killers, and some rapists as well. Well, I do too. Child abusers. I do too. On that, on that note, I do too. So, um, you guys, I, I want to shout out real quick to... Um, alert you all that we do have videos on YouTube and we just today's February 28th 2021 it's Sunday and uh, the last day of the month but uh, we do come out with the podcast every Sunday 23 years in prison and we do have content available on YouTube you can check that out we actually just put up a video of our dying cat before he passed Zeus and uh 
Yeah. Yeah. And we also have an Instagram, Museum Americana. We have a website, museumamericana.com. And if you guys are interested in sending us an email, you can do so at museumamericana yes, at gmail.com. Any, any yeah. questions, anything you want to you wanna, um, share. share with us, that would be great. So We're here um, to listen. Thank you for coming back to Jack's Corner and checking out our podcast. God bless you all and keep you safe. And stay and, COVID free. Yes. And stay sane. And if you're in a relationship where it's scary, please get help and get out. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Our guys. You. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye for now. God bless.